Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined by University of Virginia men's tennis head coach Andreas Pedroso to chat about his team's nine-match win streak, but more importantly, how he and the Cavaliers have managed to turn things around after a slow start to their 2022 season. And I want to contextualize that statement because all five of Virginia's losses have come to teams currently ranked in the top 10 of the ITA rankings. There is no shame in the results they put forward. That said, we know the standard Virginia and Coach Pedroso hold themselves to. As such, I wanted to talk to Coach about those early season struggles, how he and his group have stayed resilient, managed to turn things around here in an 8-0 start to ACC play. And then, of course, I wanted to talk to Coach about the individual growth he's seen from members of his roster. Certainly, the standout sophomores, Rodesh, Van der Schulenberg, Montez, Kiefer, they've all been exceptional in year number two, but I also wanted to talk about how the new guys have fit in, whether that be Jackson Allen, whether that be Barbots, or of course how he balances all those new guys with the talent he already had on the roster, making sure everyone is getting playing opportunities. Chatted about all of that on today's show and so much more, and you know whenever I'm talking to anyone associated with Virginia men's tennis, we're going to dive into that 2011, 2012, 13, 14, 15 era of tennis as Virginia was the story in men's college tennis at the time. With that said, it is a fantastic conversation with Coach Pedroso that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to it, I want to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision who are at the forefront of all things technological development in the sport. Of course, Swing Vision offers artificial intelligence for your tennis, whether that be automated line calls, whether that be recording your performance on court, breaking down the film for you so you can watch specific things, whether it be your forehand, your backhand, your volleys, your serve. Again, artificial intelligence for your tennis. It is the most efficient way to get 
better in the modern day. You can download all of that. Have that at the palm of your hand on an app on your phone. You can learn how by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. Of course, when you eventually sign up with our friends at Swing Vision, use our promo code CRACK20. You'll get $20 off a free 14-day pro trial, and you'll let them know we sent you there. And I'm telling you folks, Swing Vision, once you get it, you'll say, Alex, you made the right call. You're thinking, do I really need an app? You really do need the app. It's just the easiest way to get better. Learn more about Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the the description to this show and when you sign up remember use that promo code crack 20 with all that said you didn't come here to hear about the plugs you came here to hear from virginia men's tennis head coach andreas pedroso with that in mind westoff hit the credits let's get to today's show Joining us on the podcast once again today is now a returning champion here to our Crack Racket shows. Of course, you know him best as, in my opinion, a man who has not aged a day since joining the college tennis ranks. Of course, now we know him as the head coach of the surging University of Virginia men's tennis team. Welcome back to the show, Coach Andreas Pedroso. Coach, winners of nine in a row, I imagine you're doing all right, but how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for uh, for the introduction, Alex. <laughs> no, it is always a pleasure. And I've told you this before, but I spent too much time like that 2011 team watching those highlights. I- I've watched them all. And I yeah. swear to God, seeing you on court today, the only difference is now you don't wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's no reason to age when you're at UVA and you're in Charlottesville. such a beautiful place and amazing university. So yeah, that's what we'll tell people. That's what it is. Yeah, it's it's not the no sleep. It's not the rigors of the job. It's it's a hundred percent just great genes. But uh, with that in mind, this would have been a season that could age anyone because you look for your team, and obviously you guys have won nine matches in a row. But at one point this season, you all were five and f- uh, five and five. And I would point out, and I think followers of college tennis closely would note that all five of those losses are to teams that are currently, I think, in the top six of the ITA rankings. And, you know, again, a lot of those matches, not 4-0 blowouts, 4-1, 4-2, 4-3. I guess my opening question to you, Coach Pedroso, is what was that run of the season like? To be so close in so many matches, but, you know, to keep coming up short, how do the guys keep faith through that stretch? We learned a lot in that stretch and we scheduled that for a reason. We scheduled that, you know, those teams for a reason in the month of February, uh, just to play the best, see where we're at, see where we need to improve. And I felt like guys handled it really well. There were some really tough losses that we were points away from winning, but this is a mature group, united group. We had some honest conversations with each other at the end of some of these matches. And that was the whole point of the month of February. And and I think we've gotten a lot better. We still need to keep improving. Um, I felt like, you know, last year our schedule could have been a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like we weren't totally prepared for the NCAA tournament. And so this year, you know, I did, I didn't, I didn't want that to happen at all. So we scheduled really tough. I think playing Kentucky today in Lexington is another great test where we're going to learn a lot about ourselves. And, and it's just about continuing to get better throughout the season. That's that's a big lesson I've learned as a head coach. And and, and I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully it'll pay off. 
Yeah. Was there a conversation, if not amongst the team, maybe amongst just you and Scott, where it was like, look, we're the best five and five team in college tennis history. I promise everyone that. Like, we're losing these men. It's so close. And, you know, again, for the team to have now ripped off nine in a row and to start off conference play eight and oh, and obviously ACC success is something that the Virginia program has prided themselves on throughout the years. What does that say about the resilience and the response you've seen from your team? Definitely. I think after every match, the guys came out of them in February saying we're one of the best teams in the country. We've just got to play maybe a little bit more offensive in doubles. We've got to concentrate a little more in singles and and take care of our leads. You know, and I think we needed those those times of adversity to happen in order to be in the situation that we're in today. Um, So. So, yeah, I mean, again, today is another great test for us and we're going to learn a lot. And that's what this team's going to do all season. It's going to keep learning, keep growing, keep figuring out, you know, how we can be the best team in May. And that's the objective. And so I think a tough schedule is imperative for a team with that type of a goal. And, you know, that's why we do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you talked about some of the team uh, things your team has improved on throughout the season. One of them certainly is doubles. And looking through the stats and having watched you guys play, you've played 12 different doubles teams this year. And I'm sure part of that is a byproduct of injury. Part of that is a byproduct of you've got guys in Jackson Allen, Alex Kiefer, you know, all these guys you want to work into the rotation throughout the course of the season. That said, 12 is the highest number I've seen on any roster across the country. And I'm curious what leads to that sort of number. Well, I think having great depth leads to that and having a lot of options and making sure guys are getting competitive looks against quality teams. You know, obviously every single team is going to have a guy sick or a guy a little hurt and you want to save them or, you know, so those situations, it's a combination of all those things. And, uh, and, you know, we've learned a lot in doubles and and it's an important point so we're i think at this point you know we know who our best doubles players are uh but at the beginning of the season we're still trying to figure out our teams and um so yeah i mean i think that's why you're seeing a lot of doubles different doubles teams with uva but uh you know, you might see some more more consistency moving forward i mean 32 and 15 overall is getting the job done Last year, Jeffrey and Inyaki were so successful together, and I think they've played five dual matches, something like that, together this season. Is that a team you keep in your back pocket? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, at at the end of the day, you're trying to win a doubles point. You're not trying to win, you know, one of three. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough dynamic, a lot of moving pieces. And, and so that's a great team and they are the best of friends and they love playing with each other. So that's always a great option for our team moving forward. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's fun because there are a lot of pieces on this team and it was always going to be interesting to see where they all fit. And, you know, obviously you've mixed guys around in the singles lineup as well. I want to talk about the sophomores for a little bit and the growth you've seen from them because it, it is interesting. You talk, you know, earlier you referred to this as an experience group. And the nucleus of this group is still really in their second years, right? In Yaki and Jeffrey and Chris, just, you know, sophomores and second years on the job. That said, you know, I want to start with Chris in particular because you see the size. You see how big he can hit the ball, how big he can hit the serve. And obviously all of the pieces are there. 
what's come together this season that's allowed him to take that next step and you know again have success be eight and five in the top two positions for your team this season I think it's just getting comfortable playing at the top of the lineup mm-hmm. where there are no easy matches you know it's it requires a, a level of preparation that that he's only improved at you know doing things on his own uh, doing the extra little things in order to prepare uh, it's you know it's kind of like playing on tour and because every guy at the one and two slot with the schedule that we have is at least winning matches at futures events or even some guys that are winning matches at challenger events so just getting comfortable in that slot it's also you know an image you have to have in the playing one and two and and he's gotten better he's gotten better you know with with his transition game he's got a better understanding of how he needs to play his points um so it's a great it's been a great experience for him playing up high because it's really forced him to evolve and become become even more professional and and be a leader mm-hmm. and i'm curious because i was at the national indoors he loses three three-set matches throughout the course of the weekend. And, you know, let's be clear, he's playing guys in uh, Aguilar and Shelton and, you know, the Fambas of the world who are all top players in the country. And, you know, he's losing those matches in three stra- uh, three sets. What's that conversation like between you and him? Just, again, because tennis is such a confidence-based sport, how, what are you doing to communicate, hey, you're right, you know, how do you convince him, yes, you lost those matches, but you're right there? Yeah, I, you know, I keep telling him, hey, we're in February. Yeah. It, it's, it's a brand new experience playing at these spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, the key thing is just to keep getting, be- keep getting better, keep learning, and he's a really resilient kid. And, and he's, he's very present. He doesn't stress out about the past. He gets over things really quickly. Um, you know, he'll be down for an hour, maybe an hour after a match, but then you see him with his buddies on the team and like having a good time. And, you know, tennis is not his identity. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a lot of other things that are going for him um, in the right direction. So he, that's why he's a great competitor. And that's why you see him, you know, come back so often. He's, the score really doesn't matter with Chris Rodesh. So it's it's a it's a compliment to the way he was brought up and the way he competes and and who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, on the flip side, you have Chris, who's got the obvious weapons and, you know, the power tennis he's capable of playing. Then you've got Inyaki. And watching Inyaki compete this season, and he's 6-1 and one overall in dual matches he's finished, which is not surprising because, obviously, he likes to get his court time in. It feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because he was just a ball of energy last season. And I think any freshman who comes into college tennis is going to have Bambi eyes, right? You're just so excited by everything you're doing, by the energy, by the atmosphere that you you can stay amped up for that long. Watching Inyaki play this season, and maybe part of this is a byproduct of you just don't have time for those sorts of things in the top two spots of the lineup, but it feels like he's reined in some of those extracurricular things he does on court and it's helped him maintain his focus maintain his poise extend matches is that a fair assessment is that something you guys have communicated because i'm sure you don't want to take away the energy because everyone on the team benefits from that at the same time sometimes that energy can be unproductive yeah no it's definitely been something that he himself has realized and worked on and he understands that college tennis is a different sport. 
and you you have the urge and the temptation to you know bring that energy too often in a singles match and so he's doing a lot better job of picking and choosing when he brings that energy and and he's also had to evolve as a tennis player you know at the one and two three slots you know you need to be able to transition you need to be able to attack a second serve you need to be able to you know look for more forehands and and that's something that he's doing a lot better job of and i think you know he's going to keep evolving in that direction as time goes on but definitely managing his energy better and being more efficient with it is something that he he's actually come up with and taken ownership of Mm-hmm. What has been the growth for him, you think the biggest growth game-wise? Because something is also different this season. There's just an efficiency to the game as well, where it feels like he is finding short balls a little bit easier, finding ways to assert himself. Yeah, he, well, he's serving a lot better. Yeah. Uh, that was a big, um, that was an area where we where we worked on a lot uh, at the, you know, throughout last year, at the beginning of the summer, and when he went to Spain, to his credit, he stayed on it. Um, this fall, uh, we, you know, we took him out of a couple tournaments to, to make a couple technical changes and to his credit again, I mean, he's been open-minded and had a growth mindset about it. So he's serving a lot better and his serves only going to get better. There's no reason why he's not going to have a weapon by the time he leaves UVA and he's already starting to get some free points off it. So I think that's a, that's a huge improvement that he's made and, and he's, you know, he's more willing to take some balls out of the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he volleys so well. He's got such good hands and he's so quick. So um, I'm really excited to see how he evolves over the next, you know, two and a half years because I, he's he's a great player. Yeah, it's very fun to watch him play. If you want to watch Jeffrey play, you better get it in the first hour because other than that, he's going to be off court and another just ridiculous season for him, 14-1 and one overall. Again, I'm uh, the word efficient is what I'm going to use again. Jeffrey's just out. If you watch enough college tennis, I like to think uh, eventually you notice the players who just master the speed of the game. And even when it's not the flashiest and even if it's not, you know, the most overwhelming tennis, they just know how to win college tennis matches. It feels like Jeffrey's hit that point where cruise control might be a bit hyperbolic, but it's just, okay, like, cute. You're up 3-1, a deuce, like a deuce break on me. Don't worry. I'm going to win the set 6-4. Yeah, you know, another guy that's improved his serve a ton, his serve a ton. Mm-hmm. and again, that's to his credit, what he did over the summer and the fall. First serve percentage is so important in, you know, at this level, at the pro level, and when you're serving a high percentage of first serve, at least 60% in your matches, you're going to control more points, you're going to get more free points. So that's an area that Jeffrey's gotten a lot better at, but you're right, I mean, he's a great ball striker, great mover, um, you know, he's learned to play at different speeds and you know when he's playing well he's taking balls out of the air and he's done that a lot more this year than last year um he's improved and you know all these all these second years and i would put alex Kiefer in that category as well um hopefully we'll get to him but he i mean he's made as much improvement as any of the guys and coming in at six and and being a strong point for us and having chances in every match that he's played and come through in some important matches as well He's played excellent doubles as well. Um, but, you know, Jeffrey and Alex, they have similar games in the sense that, you know, they play close to the baseline. They play pretty fast. Um, but both just tireless workers, great competitors. They're never going to give up. And so, 
yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to have these guys. Yeah, no, I, well, that's what I was going to get to next is, look, I mean, Jeffrey at one point was playing four this season, and obviously you've got guys like Barr, like Getz, like Gianni, like Alex, and, you know, Jackson, all of these guys who are capable of playing. Now we've hit, you know, late March, and certainly you look at the lineup that you played this weekend, the success you guys have, 4-1 win over Wake, and I think maybe even more impressive, a 4-0 win over NC State, and, uh, you know, we're getting towards crunch time, where I'm sure any coach wants to know, who are my six, and what are my three doubles pairings, and let's get some continuity amongst this group, because this is the group I'm going to roll with in May. That said, you've got a lot of guys playing well right now. How are you managing those decisions of finding your six versus making sure everyone gets some time on court? Yeah, it, it depends on on what the team's status is on a on a sure. weekly basis. You know, I mean, it depends if if a guy's a little hurt. You know, I might save him for another for another weekend if he's a little sick or. You know, it's there's a lot of different factors, whether we play inside, whether we play outside. Sure. Um, so it's a great menu of players to choose from. And I'll tell you this, they're all ready to play every single week. And and, the you know, one of the best parts about it is they're all very unselfish. And I haven't heard a word this year of why am I playing here? Or why is he playing here? I never hear that. And that's just a testament to the culture that they've built and how much they care about the team. And so it's tough to answer that question, Alex. I mean, it's just, it, there's so many factors and it changes from week to week, but I can tell you this, they're all ready to play. Sure. How is managing the fifth years been? Barr, Jackson, who obviously a bit more experienced, right? They, they've seen it all in college tennis. At the same time, Barr in particular hadn't played a college tennis match in 18 months and I'm sure early on in the season I mean I would say I've said this to him you could tell that there was an adjustment phase and him working his way not only back up to speed but back into shape how has managing those two been well listen Jackson Allen has been a Mm -hmm. shot of energy to the team the guy is just a blue collar competitor shows up to work every single day. He's been a great addition. I'm so thankful to have him. I wish I had him for four years. Um, Barr, same way. I mean, just just a wealth of knowledge and experience, reads the game incredibly well. Um, he's been as helpful and as impactful um, as a coach, as he has been a player. Um, he's made everyone around us, around him better. And, uh, you know, he's in one of the most prestigious business schools in the world. And, and it's been challenging, but, you know, every single week, every single month, he's been managing it better and he's playing better. And like you said, yeah, it's a tough adjustment. Having played a college match in 18 months and, and I expect him to be hitting on all cylinders come the end of the season. And we're already seeing signs of that and, and he's clicking with the guys. And so those two fifth years have been great additions. Um, Gianni Ross, you know, knows the culture better than anybody. And, and he's also been just a shot of continued shot of professionalism and toughness and, and a sense of urgency that, that every team needs. So these fifth years have been awesome. Um, I'm going to, well, actually we've got bar for one more year. So (laughs) technically we've got, he's not a fifth year, but I'm, I'm going to miss Jackson and Gianni a ton. And I'll be really thankful to have Barr for another year. It's This is a body language thing, so it's purely a subjective observation. 
Barr is so thoroughly entertained by Inyaki. Like watching you guys practice and watching them play together, you can tell the energy. He He's just so excited to be back around it. And you can tell just again to have, because obviously Barr is older than this group of guys and he's been around the block and he's seen some things and he was used to playing and trying to beat Virginia for, you know, we all remember the NCAA match in 2019. Who wouldn't? Um, yeah. And I do think from a chemistry perspective, and this gets back to something we talked about earlier, even in those losses at the national indoors, you could see a group that was sticking together. You could see a group that was frustrated with themselves, not frustrated with one another, if that makes sense. Um, is that, if you know, again, it's uh, Brian Bolin used to always say it's the team that loves each other the most at the end that's going to end up winning. It does feel like even through the struggles, this team maintained that. Absolutely. These guys are so close. I mean, next year we're going to have six guys living in the same house. Yeah. Um, you know, they they go out to dinner all the time. They're hanging out together all the time. Um, you know, they accept each other for who they are. They're all very different. You know, with Barn and Yaki, Bar's more of a silent assassin out there. And Yaki's a, you know, typical Spaniard type Nadal type player where he's going to let you know how he's feeling. And they appreciate each other for who they are. And, mm -hmm. and you know, they all, I've said it before in interviews before that, you know, if the world treated itself the way this team treats itself, it'd be a better place. And mm -hmm. they all come from different backgrounds. They all have different ideas, different beliefs, different perspectives but they never make it personal. And, and, and in practice, they fight each other to the death. And after, you know, they're joking around and it's all good. So again, I'm super lucky to coach this team. Very enjoyable team to coach. Great guys, great families, super supportive. And so I think that's why you see us lose five in a row and we come out of it united and, and only better. My mom made it a point to never step foot in any of the places I lived in college. Will you make it a point to never step foot in that house of six? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That house is, it's its old, yeah. um, but it's surprisingly clean. These guys, <laughs> okay. these guys, it's not like an animal house type place. Good. It's surprisingly clean and they love this house. They take so much pride in this house. It's a kind of a relic that was started by the, you know, the, the JC, Ty, Luca, um, Ash, Richie, that, that crew started that house. I think they started that house. And so we, they've passed it on and, um, and they've taken good care of it and, and they love it. It's just part of UVA tennis. And so they're going to keep it alive. And next year we'll have, as, we'll have more guys in it than ever, six guys. So it, it should be a lot of fun. There's no way Jeffrey is messy. There's just, he doesn't have time for mess. But in Yaki and Rodesh, like Rodesh in particular, just because tall people are messy. It's just like a fact. There's just a lot of them. And so they can't help it. Um, that those would be the two rooms I'd be afraid. I'd walk in, do a room inspection. Whoever's cleanest, I'd be like, you're the captain this season. Congratulations. <laughs> you've just, you've earned the captainship role. You've survived this. Um, you know, one guy who we have yet to speak about who really did struggle at the national indoors but i look now i think he's eight and one in his last nine decisions is ryan Getz, and i think watching ryan play he, it's some of the other games just make a bit more sense you see where the success is it you know it's more traditional i suppose style of tennis and you've seen it before ryan's game's obviously a little bit more interesting and obviously the one-handed backhand 
allows him to do certain things other players can't. But, you know, it does feel like he is a confidence-based player. He's a shot maker through and through. How did you keep him, again, confident through some of the struggles earlier this season? And what have you seen in this turnaround of late? So there's one thing that's been consistent about Ryan Getz over his four years at UVA is that I I know what I'm going to get from Ryan Getz every time he steps on the court. This guy, whether he plays well, whether he doesn't play well, he's going to fight till the end. Mm-hmm. And so when he goes through a little bit of a of a tough time, I just know the guy's going to keep working. I know the guy's going to keep fighting. Um, he's going to find his game. You know, he was points away from beating Sven Law at Baylor. Um, you know, the TCU turnaround after that was tough on everyone. We played Baylor Saturday night, and then we played TCU the next day at, I think it was 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock. And the court service is very different. So it was a tough hand for for everybody. But, you know, at indoors, um, you know, he was – I thought he, I mean, I was so happy for him when he turned it around against Florida. Yeah. Um, and I knew he would. He always does. Ryan mm-hmm. Getz is always there for us. There's never a time where I'm like, oh, he didn't give a full effort or he got too frustrated to to fight till the end. Ryan Getz is always coming to play. Like that's, so that's why when he has a tough match or a couple of tough matches, I don't worry about it because he's always going to come back. Um, and that's who he is as a person. He, he's like, he's our, one of our hardest workers academically. And, and he's, you know, so thankful that he's coming back for a fifth year, him and William Woodall. I'm so thankful those guys are coming back um, because they're huge parts of our team, not only performance wise, but chemistry wise. So, um, so yeah, I love Ryan Getz. I love playing him. I'd play him every day of the week and yeah, I can't say enough good things. No, I love to hear. And with that in mind, the good news is you'll have four days in the next week to play him. As, as you mentioned, you guys have Kentucky today, and that's a makeup match from earlier in the season in Lexington. Then you do what is quietly the most difficult road trip in all of college tennis at Florida State, at Miami, for any team to go play down in that heat in March. It just is an adjustment. You've got Virginia Tech, I think, the following Wednesday after that as well. And so, obviously, uh, you know, it's a, cu- it's a tough couple, uh, couple of weeks coming up for your team. With that in mind, you know, I think five matches to go in this regular season. What do you want to see from your guys? Well, I hope these teams play their absolute best tennis against us mm-hmm. because we need to be battle-tested. And I just want our guys to keep evolving. That's been my theme all year. You guys have to keep evolving. You can't get complacent. You can't get satisfied um, because, you know, there's going to be tough moments ahead and we want to be ready for the postseason. So I I hope it's windy as heck in Miami. You know, I hope it's a huge crowd at FSU. I hope they play great. And and I just want our guys to be battle tested. So as long as we're playing complete matches, I feel like we're going to keep getting better and, um, you know, win or lose, that's that's the objective. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that it's a tough road trip and today's gonna be awesome at Kentucky. It's gonna be tough conditions. I hope they have a great crowd. Kentucky's been playing great. One of the better teams in the SEC. So I think the schedule is really turning out to be perfect for us to get us ready for the postseason. 
Yeah. No, it's going to be really fun. And I will point out, even when you guys were five and five on my USTA poll, and unfortunately they throw out whoever put whatever, you know, your highest ranking, they throw out the highest and lowest to make it balanced, whatever. I would always put you guys at eight because I'm like, I'm telling you, I have eyes and I saw this team play and they are just as good as anyone out there in the country, even if the results aren't going their way right now. With that said, you know, I can't let you go without asking two Virginia history questions. So we're going to go back in time just here at the end quickly. I don't, again, we started with 2011. We'll go back there. I know we've broached this subject before. If Drew Courtney is healthy, do you win the 11 final? We definitely have a better chance. That's for <laughs> sure. I mean, that guy was winning doubles points against top teams with a, with a really hurt foot. I mean, the guy, but he just, he refused not to play. Mm-hmm. And... And I remember he almost, uh, he was really disappointed when Boland told him he wasn't playing in the singles. Uh-huh. So, I mean, Drew was a competitor, guy was a total killer, super clutch, and he loved college tennis. I mean, he was at the Wake Forest match last week. He works in Charlottesville okay. and he runs an asset management firm in Charlottesville, um, runs their office, and you can see him just itching to play, <laughs> itching to get yeah. back out there. and. Um, you know, no one was closer to the net and him and Shazi had a really good chemistry out there and they were fun to watch. So especially during the doubles point, you see Drew, you know, itching to get back on the court. <laughs> mm-hmm. I heard the Sonam Damajan doubles team was your creation. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> Bolin always, he always believed in, in big servers playing with great returners and having that combination. And if you talk to a lot of doubles doubles players, that are on tour, they, they they agree with that combination. So I'd have to give that one to Bowling. Yeah, that was, I mean, again, that team, I swear, I'm watching that indoors. If you guys play USC in February, you crush them. I mean, you know, it doesn't help with a foot injury. And I swear Drew lost 25 pounds between his junior and senior year. Like you're like, this is a different Drew Courtney back in that 2012 team that makes the yeah. final. Um, yeah. That said, question number two, 2013 team. Who makes the decision to pull uh, Ryan and play Justin Shane in that NCAA championship? Um, I think, I mean, I think probably Brian. Um, you know, Ryan was a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan yeah. was a freshman. You know, it was an NCAA final. Justin had played in in two NCAA finals, and. And the first one, you know, was Emilio Gomez was a tough out for him as a fre- as a freshman, and you know the guy was just a very good player, probably a little better than than Justin at Stanford. But then Justin played one of the best NCAA final matches I've been a part of against Yannick Hoffman in Athens, and so I think Boland probably just said, you know, this guy's got more experience, and and he's you know he's proven himself that he can give us a chance in NCAA final. Um, you know, credit to Ryan, he had a great year too, but I just think Bolin went with experience there and and it worked because he played unbelievable against Clay Thompson. And I mean, that match was over, I think relatively quick. So Justin came out like a lion um, looking for revenge from from Athens. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think the match I'm most upset I didn't attend is absolutely that match. And was there a moment in your head, I don't think I've ever asked you this, where you were like, all right, we lose. Like Adrian hit that overhead, Mitchell missed the lob, we lose. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I, I remember, you know, when when we were down match point and before Adrian hit the net with the serve, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, wow, really? 
three NCAA finals in a row. It's going to happen again. And then <laughs> that miracle happened. I can't believe the referee was paying that close of attention. I mean, and then, you know, Mitchell finds a way to come back. And, you know, only I think Dennis Kudla said it. He put it on Twitter or something after the match. He said the only guy that would take that would be able to win that match for UVA is Mitchell Frank. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so yeah, no, that was a really cool moment. And then being next to Bolin when we won our first title was, was even more special because that, you know, that was what he was aiming for for so long. Tears? Who's crying more, you or him? Oh, no, Bolin was. Bolin <laughs> yeah. lost it. He was, yeah, yeah he was so happy. I mean, geez, like, he was so close for so many years. And, mm-hmm. and um, it was really special to be next to him when, when, when that happened. I still think, with all due respect, because 13 was awesome, and obviously Puget's foot. You're so right. Like, for the ref to notice that, that's the best call in professional tennis refereeing history. Um, I still think the 11 match is the best match in college tennis history. Like, that scene, that USC team, that moment, you guys undefeated. I I mean, both are obviously pretty special. I imagine which one you remember more fondly. But that 11 match, to me, is probably the greatest in college history. I, I always enjoyed watching the the Peter Smith Brian Bolin dynamic. Yeah, exactly. like it was just such a it made it so much more entertaining because they <laughs> were they were so different and you know they would they would do little subtle digs like at yeah. each other to like make it more interesting. But it was it was all you know they had a lot of respect for each other, so that always made it more interesting. And um, and yeah, having the USC band out there for the two eleven the the two thousand eleven match was always made it yeah just brought up more of a sense of urgency and it was just yeah great rivalry back then mm-hmm. and uh, last question i swear what i meant to ask thinking of this trent huey coming in as the volunteer here for the remainder of the season what leads to that yeah trent uh we lost our amazing volunteer assistant with brian rasmussen he took a full-time job at the boar's head sports club and he's doing a great job there and i'll say it to this day if any head coach is looking for an assistant coach Brian Rasmussen would be incredible because um, he was incredible for us. I mean, this guy is just everything you would ever want in an assistant coach. But um, so Brian leaves and I was very picky with a volunteer assistant and, you know, I hadn't chosen anybody. And then Tret came along and I saw that, you know, he was in town a decent amount because he, he lives in Charlottesville when he's not on tour. And I said, Tret, when you're in town, would you mind helping us out? And he said, yeah, it'd be great. And that way he could train with the team. And now that he's the volunteer and I think he's really enjoyed it. He's really helped us in, in doubles and singles. He's super smart. He's got a great demeanor out there. He's got a lot of experience. He knows the culture, the guys love him. Um, so man, we've been so lucky to have a guy like Tread Huey in our corner. And um, yeah, he's here with us here in Kentucky. So it's awesome. And then he goes off to play Houston uh, with Dennis Kudla. And uh, they just won the tournament in Phoenix, which was awesome. A 125K, which was more like an ATP 500. Yeah. So <laughs> it's great that that he can come out and play with our guys every day. Could he crack the singles lineup? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he could. He could. He's good. I mean, he's he tests all our guys in singles and doubles. Yeah, no good. one has ever said, I don't want the lefty in my lineup. That's just not an answer anyone has yeah. ever given. And, He's been a great reminder of just how good his serve is. Yeah. 5'9", 5'10". I mean, this guy's got an unbelievable serve. 
Unbelievable, sir. Yeah, no. I mean, the beer belly is, you know, a little thicker than it once was, but I would agree with you. That that is a guy who could absolutely play. But with all that said, Coach, obviously immensely grateful that you're willing to take the time to chat and uh, obviously wishing you guys luck on the road in Kentucky and down the home stretch of this season. And it's been really fun to just see your group stick together. And again, I have eyes. I'm telling you, you guys are right there with everyone else. It's been really (laughs) fun to see the Who's compete down the season's home stretch. Thanks, Alex. Hey, thanks for everything you do for college tennis. You know, yeah. we, we appreciate it. I don't know if we say it enough, but thank you for for all of this because it just promotes us and and makes it a lot more fun for the fans. And I, I know they appreciate it. They love your interviews. So, so thanks for everything you're doing. I appreciate it. Beats a real job, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with that said, Coach, take care. All right. Take care, Alex. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with University of Virginia men's tennis head coach Andreas Pedroso. A massive thank you to coach for taking the time to chat. He's chatting with me the morning before his team takes on the University of Kentucky here on Thursday. And obviously, we will talk about that result at some point on one of our Crack Racket shows, of course. We will be wishing he and the Who's success and health through the rest of this 2022 season. Of course, if you want to learn more about everything happening in the college tennis world, tune into our Crack Racket episodes of The Deciding Point. You can watch them every Tuesday and Thursday live on our YouTube channel. That's 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. Excuse me, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday when we talk about the women. 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday when we talk talk about the men. Of course, we've got our broadcasts every Friday and Sunday. If you want to watch all things SEC on Friday, you can follow our link. We're on each of the team websites. If you want to watch the Big Ten action happening Sunday, you can tune in to our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, a shout out as always to Super Producer Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. We have flexed his muscles here this season, and he has delivered the goods as he always does. So a huge thank you and shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff. Uh, again, if college tennis isn't for you, you're looking for more pro talk, rest assured we've got you covered on the mini break. All the happenings in Miami, we've covered it all on the show. You can catch up on each and every day's action by tuning into that podcast. And of course, like, rate, subscribe for you to this show, the mini break podcast, great shot podcast, our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on any of our coverage. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at AL Gruskin. A shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. And again, to learn more about their artificial intelligence for your tennis, click on the link in the description to this podcast. With all of that said, for the fantastic Andreas Pedroso, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.